0: what's up cool cats and cuties this is the promenade merchants podcast a star trek podcast out on the frontier so sit down and grab a rock to gino as david majors and heather kirby talk all things star trek old new and what's to come the promenade merchants are open for business hello merchants don't touch that dial it's not the usual voice you hear doing this introduction But this is a special edition episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast, and I am your host, Heather Kirby. Tonight, I left David at the station, and you know, then I had some IT issues and he had to come help. (laughs) But he's helping me from DS9, and I traveled to Earth to leave the galaxy behind, And talk about something other than Star Trek. So tonight we are diving into the longest running television drama series right now. Which is something that I am also a huge fan of. Law & Order Special Victims Unit. They had the TV event of the season this year. Which just happened a few days ago. And I thought that was the perfect time to do a podcast about it. So, since I can't podcast alone, and like I said, David is just helping remotely from the station, I needed a special guest co-host, and there was only one person I could think of to join, join me. <laughs> she is also a prolific podcaster who podcasts about Star Trek, Star Wars, and everything in between. It is Miss Annika Dane. Thank you for joining me, Annika.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited. I love SBU. <laughs> Any reason to I talk do about t- it. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: We're going to have a wonderful conversation. So, diving in for anyone who listens to the podcast and is still with me now that I announced that we aren't talking about Star Trek today. Uh just to give you a little bit of a backstory, Law and Order SVU is a spin-off of the original Law and Order Criminal Procedure show from the 90s, uh, it premiered on TV in 1999, which means it is now in its 22nd season. It has outlived the original Law and Order by a few years and is technically the holds the record for the longest running drama series on television. As I mentioned before, they had a special event this year in which the original Partner, uh, from the beginning of the series, Elliot Stabler returned after a ten-year absence. But we will get to that in a second, because we're going to start with the old business, which is Annika. Tell me your SVU backstory. When did you first start watching, and why do you keep watching after all these years?
1: So I was a fan of the original Law and Order series. I would watch it with my brothers, and it was like. Especially my my uh, brother, who's closest in age to me, we were such huge Law and Order fans that for one Christmas he made me finger puppets of the <laughs> the, the, the police officers and the ADAs. So that's amazing. We, we really loved Law and Order, and when SVU came on, I was very excited because I am a huge fan of spinoffs and. Everything is like a cinematic universe now, (laughs) but that idea of there being lots and lots of one thing, because, so what I say online, and I've said it on multiple podcasts, I say it on Twitter all the time, I get yelled at for how often I say it to my friends, but I'm a big fan of quantity over quality, because quality is subjective, And it's usually not, like, what people think is is quality tends to not be what interests me, or they're not looking for me as an audience.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And quantity allows for everyone in the audience, no matter what your background is, to find something. So the fact that there's, like, ten different Star Trek series, for example, means that, you know, if you don't like next generation maybe you will like deep space nine if you don't like lower decks maybe you will like star trek picard so there's lots of different ways to come at the franchise and it's funny because when svu premiered i actually was i was put off by it because it was so different from Mm -hmm. the original law and order it did not focus on the order part very much in the beginning. They didn't even get an a-, uh, a regular ADA uh, until like halfway through the first season. And it was much more focused on solving the crimes. And the crimes were all, you know, the original series is focused on homicide. And SVU is focused on sexual trauma child abuse, domestic violence, pretty heavy stuff. Like I know that like homicide seems like it should be heavy, but yeah. I think that SVU the is more like if someone's dead, all you can do is solve their murder, but SVU is much more hands-on because a lot of the victims survive and it's sort of particularly Olivia Benson's Drive is to help those victims realize that they're survivors and that this isn't the end of their story.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I would say that Olivia Benson is the reason that I'm still watching all these years because I really appreciate her story. I just have described SVU as an alternate universe where people believe the victims, or specifically where the police believe the victims. Yes. Because that's not something that we get in our reality. But Olivia listens to people. And it's gotten even more so over the years where they even start to see the perpetrators as victims. And that I think that that evolution is, is really powerful. So I think that after Elliot left turned its focus sort of like a a really straight spotlight right onto Olivia and everyone else was in her sphere. And even at that point, Elliot became within her sphere because he was in her like rear view mirror as she was moving forward in her life. And it became this really powerful like that. It became a dilution of the series as a whole because it was putting aside the trauma of losing Elliot and becoming the, the best person that she could be at that point, like, and, you know, moving forward into her survivor story and really she became like a superhero. So she went all the way to the top and it was wonderful for, you know, for her as a, as a longtime viewer to be on that journey with her. Yes. So I just, yeah, I, it's Olivia. Olivia is what I watch. <laughs>
0: I, I mean, I, I second that so much. I started watching SVU when I was in college and um, it, it was just one of those things because they they used to have like, uh, before binge watching on streaming was a thing, they would have SVU marathons on USA every weekend or during the day and I would sit there while I was doing my homework or studying and just have SVU on in the background and I was As much as I was a fan of the original Law and Order 2, I was immediately attracted to SVU because of Olivia. And that just became more so over time with Elliot's departure and her evolution over the past uh, 10 seasons without him is such a beautiful, inspiring and powerful story And I honestly don't believe that SVU would be the show that it is today and it would have not survived as long as it has uh, without the choice to focus the show around Olivia Benson. It was the right choice and uh, it's the reason why it's just as powerful and impactful today, probably more so today than it was when it first began back in
1: 1999. Yeah, I have, so I studied um, psychology and sociology for my master's program and for my final project, like my my focus was throughout all of my studies was the idea of pop culture and how it affects society and how society affects it. And, and like, and media, pop culture and media. And for my final project, I wanted to do a project where I would look at a long-running series and how it, like, how it influenced the audience, how it influenced the reality. Mm-hmm. And I was choosing between Star Trek and SVU. And I did eventually decide to do Star Trek. Hey, Star Trek pod. <laughs> 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 With, um. So, but SVU, like, I I would still like to do, I, you know, I collected some articles and I read up some stuff, you know, to make the decision. And I would still like to do an, the SVU take on it. But what I did learn in the, you know, very cursory beginnings of research that I did is that it absolutely has influenced the the audience's perception of what these crimes are. And how, like what it means to be a victim of sexual violence and how, how, you know, blaming the victim and thinking about what someone's dressed or like saying, you have to teach your daughters how to be aware of all of this stuff. And like, we have, we have those, we, we, it taught us that vocabulary. Yeah. Like those are things that people didn't talk about. And this television series literally brought those topics into the family living room and said, We are going to talk about this. This is something that happens in reality and that we want to like I'm not gonna say that SU fixed reality. I think that actually it probably did as much harm as good. Yeah. But the fact that we, we know, like, here's an example, my brother, whenever he talks about sexual violence, or you know, domestic violence, or crimes of this matter, like the ones that SVU would investigate, he describes them as especially heinous. (laughs) And he does it accidentally he doesn't know that he's quoting SVU when he does that because he doesn't even watch the show he only like picked that up from from me and and like it being on in his vicinity yeah so like we have that vocabulary now and we have that awareness so you know baby steps and I really think that the series being so long-running and taking the time to actually evolve like even now it's trying to evolve to acknowledge that police dramas are kind of they like, they call it copaganda mm-hmm. and you know that with all of the black lives matters protests like they tried to bring that into the series and you can disagree with how they're doing it or you know think that they're tone deaf or they don't have like their heart isn't it or something but the fact that they're trying it all is like progress (laughs) so so we have to expect more but accept what we have too and acknowledge that
0: I completely agree with that um I really love especially what they've done this season and how they've tried to address some of these issues. And you know, they've done it in a way that's very open and, and very frank about it, which it, I haven't seen any other like cop or crime procedurals on TV do so far this year. And so I think that's something that's very unique to SVU that even if they don't always get it perfect, they, they try. They try because they understand that this stuff is important and it's something that needs to be addressed. And so on that subject, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to head into talking about the special event that, like I said, happened on Thursday. It was the return of detective Elliot Stabler to the law and order franchise. After 10 years, Uh, he returned to, The show on the SVU episode Return of the Prodigal Son, aptly named, (laughs) and then spun off into his own spinoff show, Law and Order Organized Crime, which premiered right after that. Um, Like we've referenced a couple times and and ironically, like I said, I used the subject of police issues to bring up Elliot Stabler because he's not the best example of that. (laughs) So on that note. After not being part of the franchise for 10 years, how did you feel about seeing Stabler reunite with his longtime partner? So
1: I, I, ha- I have a lot of feelings. I love the relationship between Olivia Benson and Elliot Stabler. I don't think it's entirely healthy. In fact, it's more unhealthy than healthy, but... I, that's something that I actually like in fictional relationships because reality isn't black and white. It isn't happy ever after all the time. It's something that takes a lot of effort yeah. to, you know, a, a, a real relationship, a real relationship, whether it's a marriage or a working relationship, it takes you, like, you have to just keep deciding to, to keep going with that person. Like, that's what, like Elliot decided not to, right? <laughs> that uh-huh. that's the uh, that's the whole crux of it. Yeah. And so, I'm really excited to see where this relationship goes now that Olivia has realized that she doesn't need Elliot. That as important as he is to her, and I think he still is oh, super yeah. important to her. Uh, like yeah. their their past relationship and the idea of a continuing relationship in the present I think both of those things are important to Olivia but she's learned that she can move on from him like I said that she she had this survivor story where she went through the worst things that ever happened to her on this series
0: yeah and
1: Elliot wasn't a part of it at all and she even was thinking of him while it was happening. And so it's like he was only there in her mind, like he was only a memory. Yeah. That was the only way that he got her through it. But at the same time, the memory of him was so strong that he got her through that. Yeah. And so I'm really interested in seeing where they come, you know, how they come together and where they can go from here. It's, it needs to be, like, Elliot is the one who needs to move up to (laughs) Olivia's level.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And here, again, Star Trek 5. So, Riker and Troy have this amazing relationship that I think they have by accident and because the actors care more than the writing. But eh, they grow together throughout the series and Riker becomes a person that can be an equal for Troy instead of someone who just loves her and wants her to be in his life. Yeah. And that's the arc that I want for Elliot. I want him to see him learn to stand on his own the way that Olivia did, because now he's lost his wife. So, he's thrown into that same place that Olivia was when he left. Whereas he doesn't have this stable part of his entire life. They, they got together in high school. So yeah, his entire life he's had Kathy with him and now she's gone and he has to, he has to step up to that. He has to learn how to be a full person without that relationship And I think that if he goes through that arc, he will be, like, they'll come together as equals instead of someone who is out to protect Olivia and possess Olivia because he really wanted to be the most important person in her life. Like, he set himself up to be that, even though he was married and has, like, five kids and has plenty of other people that have to be important in his life. He wanted to be that person for Olivia, for whatever reason. And I want them to come together in that equal relationship where they are both fully formed people (laughs) and can have a deep relationship, the, the deep relationship that they already have, but have it be healthy,
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I agree with so many of those points. There's so many examples throughout this episode that really highlight the growth that Olivia has had where Elliot hasn't grown in the same ways because so many different bits of their interactions um, is him trying to sort of direct her and use her emotions in order to benefit him. But then also like play, like take digs at the responsibility that she has because she's more than just a detective and that like, make it sound like uh, it, it, it was more her fault than his fault that she, he left the way he did. So and Olivia really um, keeps her emotional distance. Uh, I think mm. a lot of it is, be- is because, like, she sees that in him. Like, she knows that she's grown and that he's not on the same level as her anymore. So I, I agree with a lot of those points that I just would love to see them move to a more equal level. Because as much as I'm team Benson and I love Olivia so much, I just want her to be happy. And I know that she loves Elliot in a certain way that it would make her happy to have that equal relationship with him.
1: Yes. And and it would be like she needs at most, at least, she needs resolution. She needs closure. Like she didn't get that. She had to give it to herself. Oh, yeah. And... Now, this is an opportunity where maybe we can have the relationship we always should have had, but at the very least, we can heal the scars from how that all happened. But Elliot is not there yet. Like, he is, he's very much at the beginning (laughs) of his, his arc (laughs) to realization. And the the moment that really stood out to me as how dependent (laughs) Elliot is, is, and how he, how he needs, he actually needs her more than she needs him. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, that's the, the baseline is that Olivia has realized that she doesn't need that relationship in order to be complete. Mm -hmm. And Elliot when they go to the hospital and his wife is in surgery and, you know, everything's like the car blew up and the kids are coming and every, you know, he, he was supposed to be going to a party and arriving at a party with Olivia. And instead it's a crime scene where they meet up for the first time after 10 years Mm -hmm. and they go to the hospital. And the first thing he says to her is, Tell me she'll be okay, meaning his wife, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's there is no no place on the planet where Olivia's job <laughs> is to tell him that his wife is going to to make it because she he he hasn't spoken to her for ten years. They ha- they don't have that relationship right now. It mm-hmm. it, it is not like she is not his best friend in the world who is now going through this horrible personal tragedy with him. She is, she was his best friend in the world, and is now, it's a weird, awkward, half-stranger situation. Yeah, He doesn't even know, like, Finn fills him in about her life after this, you know? Like, he doesn't know anything, (laughs) and yet he is leaning on her. And that is just... Very Elliot, like that's what Elliot does. He's he's not a bad cop, and he's not a bad person, but he leans into <laughs> he uses people,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, as yeah. they're need, and it's I he, like that's what he needs to to work out. He needs to realize that he can ask for support. He can even expect support. But he can't demand that like they there she has a life that's completely separate from him, and that's the way it should be.
0: Yeah yeah, like uh, the the one scene between them that really sticks out to me is um, the scene in the waiting room at the hospital yes. where they 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 finally get the chance to confront. Some of their issues and the emotions that Liv had after he left, and uh, like she she very directly tells him that you you were the single most important person in my life, and you just disappeared. And the amazing thing about that scene is that Mariska and Chris are such wonderful actors Mm -hmm. and they know these characters so well that they tell so many they convey so many different emotions that they aren't actually saying out loud in the words so I mean you see it in their facial expressions you see it in the way they move like I could look at Olivia in that scene and just feel so much of her pain, even though it was never explicitly said out loud by Marishka. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that really strikes me is when he tells her, like, "Well, uh, if I heard your voice, I wouldn't have been able to leave." And the the look on Olivia's face, like, "You really just said that to me." <laughs> Like, it it, it puts the, the burden of her own emotions back onto her. Like, it's somehow her fault. And she does, like, Mariska does such a wonderful job of just conveying, like, the overwhelming sense of emotion and feelings that Olivia is going through. And the thing that really gets me is the smallest thing at, right at the end where she gets a call and she has to go. And her brain is just so frazzled she can't find where the exit is.
1: No, it's so, like, it's, that is such a beautiful, painful moment. Yeah. It's so real. It, it's it, real. It, I
0: have <laughs> felt that way and I felt how she felt and I, I understood and related to those emotions and it was so real and so uh, overwhelmingly powerful right then.
1: Yeah. And I, I have to say, I appreciate when she's, when Rollins asks her how she's doing and she's like, not great (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I feel like that, that is proof that Olivia has come to the, the place where she can admit to her friends. I need support right now. Yeah. Whereas with Elliot, who was her very best friend who did know like her innermost thoughts and feelings and needs, there was it would still it was still required a very specific specific circumstance and situation. and like there had to be the right atmosphere for her to open up to even Elliot, yeah, but here, with Rollins, who she's struggled to build a friendship with like they're they're good now, but it took a long time, yeah and she was able to just straight out say, like, I, I am not okay. <laughs> I am, I am dealing with a lot right now and I, it's, it's, it's a big thing. And I, I just really appreciate that again in, it just, it feels more real and it feels like proof that Olivia has grown. Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely. All right, so I'm pretty sure we covered my next question (laughs) with our (laughs) conversation already. So I'm going to move on to this one. Stabler's new show, Organized Crime, takes a more gritty and serialized path away from the law and order typical procedural setup. What did you think of the first episode, and what kind of impact do you think the show will have moving forward? Okay.
1: So... I like I said I I, uh, I watched the episodes day of I actually signed up for a free trial so I I could watch them live because I I only have streaming sites so I normally have to wait to the next day to watch it on Hulu mm-hmm. but I was like no I want to watch it with everyone so I signed up for some random thing <laughs> and on so that was like my emotional watch to like for the impact of of what this means to me and then i watched it a couple of times with like a an eye for what am i taking out of this like what are what are the the big themes and where can we go from here and what's the arcs and what is important to the writers so that i can know like i can temper my expectations <laughs> for going forward mm mm-hmm. And so I took notes and I have my little Google doc and it's like almost two pages long. And the organized crime section is two sentences (laughs) because I was at the only things I liked in the organized crime, or that's not the right phrasing. The only things in the organized crime that I paid attention to or like wanted to pay attention to were the character moments mostly with Olivia and then also with his children. Yeah. The plot? I I don't think I could describe to you what happened in the episode. <laughs> like <laughs> Elliot speaks Italian. He's he's like investigating, he's on a revenge spree, he goes on a Ferris wheel like a lot of stuff happens but I don't have a sense for who the new characters are I can sort of like the hacker is important because he brought her up so she's going to be a recurring character if not a main character and the supervisors like the person who's basically hiring Elliot to be on her team is obviously important but and then there's Dylan McDermott and you know I like Dylan McDermott. He's great. I was sort of like, I didn't know he was in the show and then he started tweeting about it and I was like, oh, Dylan McDermott's in this. But then it turns out that he is like a- the bad guy. Yeah, he's the antagonist, <laughs> which is a thing that like no other Law and Order has ever even done. Yeah. Bobby Lewis is like the closest that you get and he was only in like three episodes of SVU. So it's a little bit, uh out of out of routine and i'm not like i i'm sort of interested in an in a line order that tries to be more serialized than episodic yeah because that's really going against the procedure but that's where we are in television so i like the fact that they're sort of trying to evolve and they're they're playing with things and they're playing with the formula because the only way to survive is to evolve. So I'm not against it, but it's a little bit jarring. And it also seems like, so you're you're doing this like new serialized whole season about one bad guy television series, but the one bad guy is like, a crime boss, which just feels very old school to me. Yeah. It really, it just feels like a throwback to maybe the 80s, <laughs> if I'm being generous. Yeah. And I don't, like, I, no one, I, I don't care about organized crime at all I don't I my my comment was makes sense for Elias I guess Elliot I guess but I don't care like I I'm just not the audience (laughs) like I was saying yeah you I'm the audience for SVU I'm not the audience for organized crime and so I will continue watching at least as long as Olivia is involved as long as Elliot. Evolving happens like that. I want, I want to watch Elliot evolve. I want to watch the coming of age story of a six year old man. Like I'm sort of into that. And I definitely want to watch Elliot Stabler single dad because that had like, that could be very comedic. Yeah. It could be very emotional. It like, I just think that that is a, you know, a great, something you could really mine is the relationship between Elliot and his youngest son, Eli, who's like 13 or 14 years old, just starting high school. All of his other kids are adults and out of the house and have their own lives. They're probably married off. Who knows? They have, like, he could be a grandfather. (laughs) But, (laughs) sorry, this is just crazy. But Eli is still a kid, you know? He's just getting to the, I'm going to become an adult now. And I'm sort of intrigued by the idea of Eli and Elliot going through that process at the same time.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I had a lot of the same feelings that you did um, about the organized crime premiere. Like I probably over the past three days, I've watched uh, the SVU episode at least four or five times, but I only watched the organized crime one twice. (laughs) And that was just to prepare for this podcast. (laughs) Um, So I think the concept of it does really fit Elliot's character. But as we mentioned, like the way um, SVU has been trying to evolve and deal with some of the uh, police brutality issues and things like that that are in our current events today, um, there were so many different things about the way Elliot acted in that episode, which sent up complete red flags and is the absolute opposite of that. And I mean, we talked about this before we were even recording because I was messaging you on Friday, I think. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned that, like you thought it had to be just, it it was too blatantly obvious. So there (laughs) had to be a reason for that. And I do kind of agree with that. I mean, it's very very blatantly obvious like there's one scene between him and his new boss in organized crime who is a woman of color in which he tells her you're profiling me and my jaw just dropped to the floor like oh my god you really just said that
1: <laughs> yikes big, yikes. Yeah,
0: big yeah. yikes
1: yeah yeah but the fact that she's his boss is like why I'm why I'm I guess the word would be optimistic, possibly naive, <laughs> but thinking that we are going to get this like Elliot Stabler learns to be a better cop <laughs> story because, but but it's it's also scary because like he has that scene or so he there's a funeral his wife's funeral with his kids and Olivia, of course. And his, again, his youngest son, his 14 at most breaks down in tears over his mother's coffin. And Elliot says, I got you. I promise I got you and hugs him. And it's like, that's like, that's the dad Elliot that I want. Mm -hmm. And then 30 seconds later he tells Eli that he has to go with his sister because he has to go work and he like literally meets a mafioso out of you know a Joe Pesci film and I was just that I don't want any of that so I like his boss and I want like her take on organized crime maybe that like maybe that's Going to be a complete. Like, it's not going to be out of out of a Joe Pesci film, mm-hmm. but the there seems it seems to me, and I'm, and this is only the this this is the pilot, and the only reason that it's getting as much attention as it is is because it's centered on Elliot Stabler, who is a character that we've known for so long, yeah, and that to be honest, like the fans have been rallying for him to come back for years, yeah, so. There are plenty of reasons that, like, it can grow. I'm gonna give it, I always give a new series at least three episodes. And I feel like a Law & Order series with a character that I know and other characters that I care about, I'm gonna give even longer than that to win me over. Uh, But I'm not sure that this show knows what it wants to be yet. Because yeah. it seems to be going in two contradictory directions. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, 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 I definitely agree with that. And like I said, I'm gonna keep watching, but I'm also going to be looking for like the little special guest star Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> at, at Mariska Hargitay. Oh God, I can't talk now. Mariska <laughs> Hargitay.
1: I'm gonna be there, looking for that. A
0: special guest star credit show up at the top of the episode. And if I don't see it, if it doesn't hook me for that episode, I might not finish watching. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: I'm doing it for Olivia. I'm doing it for Olivia and Eli. (laughs) And Elliot way, way down on the list. (laughs) But I do really care about Eli. Um, Again, he's 13 or 14 years old. And that's how old I was when I lost my mother. So I like super related to his breakdown and to those feelings and to being stuck with a father that you know doesn't actually know how to be your dad. Because, like, I guarantee Kathy Stabler raised those kids 90% of the time. She did, like, even though Elliot, it's not like he was a distant father. He was a super involved father. Yeah. But again, it was more of that, like, Possessive. You guys are extensions of me, and so I'm going to control how you are presented, and have like be be like overly involved, be involved in this paternal, patriarchal way, as opposed to supporting you. And so I I feel for Eli. Now he's going to be. He's not going to have his caring, supportive mom. He's only going to have his complicated father. <laughs> um, and I feel like that was my reality as well. And so I'm watching. I'm watching for Eli, and I do really like the idea that we have single dad. Elliot with Eli and single mom, Olivia, with Noah. I think that's another thing that we can really play off of and have interesting interactions. They can actually like discuss parenting together, which parenting is a huge part of Elliot's life. Like he, he was very much introduced as angry cop, with kids that was that was his you know one second summary and she olivia always wanted children yeah and the fact that he had so many and she had none was like this wedge between them yeah yeah and now like it's not there now that they both have the one child that's interesting
0: yeah, that that was definitely always like kind of a wedge between them was the fact that she she wanted kids and didn't have the opportunity to have any. And so I I look forward to see them interacting on that point because I I think it's another thing that kind of that almost like Elliot kind of held her back from because if you think about some of their interactions about that. Like it was the same season that Elliot left where Mm -hmm. she actually got custody of a a teenage kid for a while. Mm -hmm. And the way he treated her when she was being just a temporary mom was just kind of like, he didn't take it seriously. Like he, he, he didn't want to be over-invested in it, and he didn't think she should be as invested as she was. And so now for him to see her with, with her own son, who is her son, who's fully adopted, and she raised him since he was a baby. And, um, yeah, th- that's an interesting dynamic between the two of them going forward. And I, I would love to see them. As-, as much as I fully appreciate the fact that she didn't introduce Noah to him. Yes. Like, that was
1: important. Because they aren't there yet. <laughs> and the thing is that she has, in the past, introduced Noah too soon mm-hmm. <laughs> to to various men who have then left... <laughs> And partially it's because of her commitment issues that those relationships didn't work out. But it's also like in with Barba and with Peter Stone, like they basically told Olivia you're too much and I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then bounced, which is pretty much what Elliot did as well. And so I, f- I really feel for, I mean, obviously I feel for Olivia, but I feel for poor Noah and I appreciate that Olivia has learned that she can't, like, that she can't trust people. <laughs> and so she has to protect her son from this yeah. person that hurt her. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, has proven that he is the type to to disappear and to leave. And, like, he has not earned the the opportunity to meet Noah, and that's important. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to the day when they can be a kind of family. However Olivia and Elliot work out, I would really like for Eli and Noah to meet each other and have... A cute little brotherly relationship they even look like each other they <laughs> so do, they do. I'm, they both I'm totally up friends. for yeah. found oh. a family of you know Noah like I said has been disappointed in his father figures and it would be so good to have a big brother and no Eli is the youngest of five and all of the others are so much older than him and so he's always in the baby and so to have the opportunity to have someone younger than him that he can nurture and support and teach how to do things is just like both of those that would give him something to focus on i don't know like i'm i'm it's like a pipe dream (laughs) (laughs) Who knows if they're ever even going to meet, but in my mind, it's like, Oh, like the, the, I can see the end, you know, in five years, they're a happy little family. And that's what I want.
0: (laughs) Okay. So on the last point of subject, speaking of found family, um, we got to see Elliot meet the members of Olivia's current squad, which she has really grown and evolved into her own version of a found family. And so we got to see how they interact with him and how they, they recognize the amount of impact Elliot has on, on her. Um, What did you think of their interactions and, uh, do you think they'll (laughs) let down their protective side and
1: let Elliot in going forward? Such a good question. So I loved every interaction with the new squad. It's Olivia's squad and Elliot, you know, and the only one who even had ever met him was Finn. And Finn is always he's so supportive he's such a a good he's he's so good for olivia because he is very good at keeping his distance Mm -hmm. while being super supportive and always there for her and always there for amanda and like everybody you know he's just he's really good i love him mentoring Cat, this is not your question, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it's great. <that's> okay. <laughs> but the rest of them only know Elliot as like, you know, a whispered name yeah. and and rumors. And that's so interesting. And I loved the different ways that they related to him. And I can imagine so many interactions for all of them in such fun ways So Kat, who is the newest member of the squad and the youngest member of the squad and is easily the same age as Elliot's older kids. So he, you know, he just he literally says, you know, "Okay, I'm Elliot Stabler. Who are you? And she just, you know, shoots right back with her full name and is like, no, I'm this is actually my squad room and you don't belong here. So bye. Uh-huh. And I just loved that for her. I was so proud of her in that moment. She's always like she always gives right back. I looked up how old Chris Maloney is because I wanted to know if he was a boomer because they gave me a boomer versus millennial vibe. Uh-huh. Um, and he is officially, although he's a very young boomer. And so that's something that I think they could play. For a long time and uh it would take a long time for them to warm up to each other because he's never gonna respect her right? you know he has to learn how to respect her because he has to learn how to respect people because he's Elliot Staver. <laughs> and, and uh and she has to understand the history yeah um, and she's not very good at that <laughs> And then there's Carisi, who is super good at understanding the history and was very polite and very open while still being super protective of Liv. And I loved that they wrote in the line where he's, you know, he's he's there as the ADA and he says something and Elliot says says the lawyer to the cop. And I was like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually. So it was such a good way to point out how out of touch Elliot is with yeah. this squad because everybody there knows that Carisi was a cop for years before he was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then there's Rollins, who I already mentioned briefly, and how she, so she was super supportive of Olivia, and I loved that. Like she's done that a few times in the most recent seasons and it's always been kind of revelatory for me that how much I wanted Olivia to have a woman friend
0: that,
1: that I wanted them to have that relationship. It's, you know, she was friendly with Alex Cabot, for example, but they weren't cops. Like they had different positions and they had to, argue you know she was friendly it's just it's different when you have someone uh, who who has the same job as you and has the same experiences and is looking at it through the same lens and she was it took a really long time for amanda and olivia to get to that place yeah you know it's still new now <laughs> that, that they're at that place and yet I feel like everyone in Olivia's squad would like, you know, jump in front of a bullet for her. And that was very, it was very evident um, throughout this. And it was really great for Amanda to be the voice of that because again, I just wanted that for them for so long. Yeah. But I also think that of everyone current on the current squad I think that Amanda is actually the person who could befriend Elliot the easiest I think that she would understand him in a way that even Olivia sort of bumps against because they are both from this sort of old school cop the way things are (laughs) reality good old boy network yeah good old boy network exactly and as much as Amanda doesn't want to be that she hasn't broken free from it completely uh and you know she also has two kids to raise by herself and like I can almost imagine them having a terrible fling because (laughs) that's what Amanda would do and I feel like Elliot who would be like I can't have my perfect relationship with Olivia yet, so I'm going to date fake Olivia. <laughs> like, I don't, oh. I don't know, but I can imagine it. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> On that note, is there any last notes, subjects, um, or anything you want to bring up about SVU before we wrap this up?
1: Okay, so I want to point out one thing that I noticed in my rewatch was that the opening scene for the SBU episode and the closing scene for the organized crime episode were actually very similar with Olivia and Elliot separated, sort of, you know, not speaking, staring at each other. It's very dark in the svu scene and it's very light bright in the organized crime scene and it's just it's really interesting that they i think that the writers and the directors and the storytellers were saying we've started talking about this but it is completely it's the beginning it's the the prologue to the beginning we haven't yeah. got gotten- we're near the emotional fallout that we are going to get to. I really liked that visual storytelling. I, I'm i a big fan of cyclical storytelling, and I understand people who get, you know, uh, frustrated and impatient for them to get to the point where, you know, like, we want the action. Like, I, I understand that. But for me, I, I love all of those loose ends and, and just saying this, having the same conversation over and over again and little tiny things being different so that you are moving forward, but you don't even realize you're moving forward until you've already done it. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that that's where we're going. I know that I listened to the podcast for The Squad Room, which is the official Law & Order podcast, and they had Mariska and Chris on to talk about these two episodes, and it was a delight to listen to. I think that if you are a fan of those characters or those actors, you should absolutely you know take the 30 minutes to listen to their interview, because it's really fun, and they, they care so much yeah. about these characters and about this relationship, and about being true to it.
0: Yeah.
1: And they said that they retooled it with the the writers, you know, the pandemic hit and so they actually had like many months more than they would have to really make this the perfect reunion and they it's like it's scary because the at you know having to wait 6 more months than you expected to, you know, the hype is even higher. Yeah, but at the same time, they were able to like she talked about that they were rehearsing one scene and it just didn't seem like it was going well, and they you know it was just wasn't working. And so, she like called, she was in the car, she was like in her car, and she called Chris and was like, Let's you know, let's talk about the scene. And fix it <laughs> before we get to to, yeah. to work. And, and, you know, before we get to the you know the cameras rolling, let's make this work. And they workshopped it and then they went to the writers and they all worked together. And it's like that level of commitment to making sure that this works for everybody is just, you know, I, I appreciate that they know how important it is. Yeah. And that they're also like having fun and that. That you get the, and I've always gotten the idea that Chris and Mariska have the same relationship that Elliot and Olivia do, although probably a much more healthier one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, Chris seems like a much nicer person. (laughs) But the way that uh, Chris Maloney described the episode was honest and true and painful and unresolved and I think that's perfect
0: I completely agree I I mean that that's a perfect summation of it um that's like the the amount of detail that they put into it was one of the my huge inspirations for taking the time out to talk about it with you like I said even if um I know there'll be some Star Trek fans who listen through it just because they want to be nice to me, but (laughs) hopefully we can get some SVU fans to listen to it too. Uh, Our discussion because it was a wonderful discussion and I thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Before we go, because we are a Star Trek podcast, I do want to say that David's going to be back with me for a new episode next week because Monday is First Contact Day and Star Trek has all sorts of panels and watch alongs and are promoting all sorts of news and announcements to come out of First Contact Day. So, Annika, you're a Star Trek fan as well. What are you looking forward to to see come out of First Contact Day tomorrow?
1: So, I think I'm trying to temper my expectations because it's it's a it's a strange you know, it's an event that they announced, you know, just a few days ago. It's not like a big thing that they've been promoting forever. And it's not a giant convention where they're going to make, you don't expect big announcements or a trailer or, you know, something as if you were going to an NYCC or SDCC or something like that. But that said, they are promoting it. And there are a, a, you know, a nice selection of panels that I'm certainly looking forward to. I know that Kate Milger is doing something and I'm expecting that that's going to be related to Prodigy. And so I expect to get more information about Prodigy and, you know, potentially a trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, you know, we've the most we've gotten of that entire series is Janeway's in it. And here are some random aliens that are that are also there we don't know their names we don't know how old they are we don't know what where they came from we don't know anything about the ship so it's sort of like more information about that would be great I don't even know when it's premiering so and then similarly we got cast announcements for strange new worlds but again No names of the characters, no descriptions, no explanation of how they relate to the ship or what they're doing or anything. Uh, That hasn't started filming yet, so I wouldn't expect any kind of footage, but potentially cast portraits, a cast list would be something. So I am, you know, that's possible. The one that is that has been filming. discovery has been filming for a while now and i know that they intend to release the fourth season this year so a teaser trailer for discovery season four is possible like I, I can imagine that being a thing yeah um but mostly i think the thing that i'm actually most looking forward to doing is experiencing a day full of star trek with star trek fans and. I miss conventions as much as anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely miss seeing people dressing up, doing panels. You know, I, I try to do as many conventions as my budget and my schedule could fit. And I miss that. And I miss seeing my friends. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I really like the virtual world that we're creating because we can't have that. And I hope that Paramount and everyone else realizes how valuable and how poignant it's been to have these virtual events that people from all over the world can log into, that we can experience, you know, no matter what your income level is, you know, it's hard for like I it's very difficult for me, for example, to go to like a Star Trek Las Vegas because it's across the country and Las Vegas, which is very expensive and like everything about it is a lot And I, you know, I have to have vacation time from work or whatever. Like there's, there's so many things And I have a child. Do I bring my child? Do I want my child who is a teenager to go to Las Vegas? Probably not. (laughs) So so it's like, um, I like the idea that we're having these events that aren't tied to a place or an income bracket or, that are just more welcoming and I'm hopeful that we continue having these kinds of events even after the pandemic is over because they've really opened up possibilities for fans for all fans like I, it's like it's like my quality versus quantity thing it's like I would rather have a you know not get a, a get to see Agents of Shield, you know, a week before it premieres, and with the cast on stage, and instead get a panel with Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes chatting about a 20-year-old movie because they're such good friends and they can. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that sounds way more fun to me. So, so I like the idea of like we're gonna have fan-based and fun-based <laughs> convention. In the virtual world, and I hope that that continues instead of the corporate glitzy ones.
0: Oh, I completely agree because I mean, especially as someone who is very much a blue collar worker and doesn't necessarily have the money to go to that many conventions, I love that the virtual landscape has opened up for us in this pandemic. So I do hope that continues. Uh, My expectations for first contact day or events like this are always low, mainly because if I make them higher, then I'm going to end up being disappointed. And so I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. But like I said, David will be back with me next week to talk about all the news and exciting announcements to come out of First Contact Day. Anika, thank you again for join me, joining me on this special episode of Promenade Merchants. Let the folks know who
1: have stuck with us for this entire time
0: uh, where they can find you if they want to continue the
1: conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. And I think it was a great conversation. So I hope everyone did stick around. <laughs> but you can find me, I have a Star Trek podcast called Antimatter Pod, which is found at antimatterpod.tumblr.com and also like everywhere that you would listen to a podcast. And I also have a Star Wars podcast called Endless Anakin, which is found at anakin.me, A N A K I N.me. And I will say that on both of these, while it is a Star Trek podcast and a Star Wars podcast, I have talked about wildly non-Star Trek and non-Star Wars things on both. Heather joined me on an episode that was all about WandaVision and of Endless Anakin. And I've also spoken about Draco Malfoy and... I'm have an upcoming episode about Daenerys Targaryen, all of which, in my mind, are the same as Anakin. So it works. <laughs> it out. all connects together. It's all, it's all connected. <laughs> and then on my Star Trek podcast, I we we did an episode which I am I pitched, and I am still very pleased that my partner Liz agreed to do this. But it was to pull characters from other franchises and put them into the star trek world and one of my choices was in fact olivia benson and i i may, i put her into starfleet because starfleet rather desperately needs a special victims unit and i really think that like, I would love to see Olivia Benson in a Starfleet uniform, so much so that I actually cosplayed it one year. <laughs> and I just think that that her character is so strong that she should be in all franchises. <laughs> um, but definitely in in Star Trek, because, as I said, I have studied this, and as much as Star Trek addresses trauma... They don't have a, a person, they don't have a department that is dedicated to that, and they should.
0: Absolutely agree. Be the Olivia Benson of whatever it
1: is you do. And you can also find me on Twitter at ManicPixieDane, and if you go to ManicPixieDust.com, you can find all of my links.
0: All right, well, like I said once again, thank you so much for joining me. I am Heather Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at nerdygal33. This is the Promenade Merchants podcast. You can find us on Twitter at PromTrekPod. We are available in your podcatcher of choice. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get your latest podcasts. Thank you for joining us on this special SVU episode. And walk with the profits and live long and prosper.